You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. Thank you for tuning in another week. We are so happy that you are here listening to this episode. This week, we have in the guest chair, Miss Letitia Carr from the Refill podcast. Letitia Carr is a trained life coach and self-care strategist, helping entrepreneurs build both a healthy professional foundation and healthy business cultures. Her signature framework allows her to help business owners find their essence, all while addressing thoughts and behaviors that are ineffective in helping them reach their goals and dreams. Her goal is to help fellow game changers in business develop excellent work culture so that they can thrive personally, as well as have thriving business, happy employees, and increased revenue. Over the past few years, Letitia has curated events for creatives and entrepreneurs that has resulted in attendees developing new business, reaching higher goals, and developing effective self-care plans for their daily lives. She first introduced the State of Our 20s School in Life Edition, a one-day conference focused on teaching the subjects not taught in school, including creating your own opportunities, entrepreneurship, and building meaningful relationships. Letitia has also launched Self-Care in the City, a brunch series that focuses on sharing tips and tools for self-care and well-being. Letitia earned her B.A., in psychology in 2011 and her MA in counseling in 2013, as well as completing an intensive life coach and leadership training. She utilizes her education and experiences to help people build better lives and businesses. Her personal commitment is to continue to do the work to impact the influencers who impact the masses. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And as you heard in the bio, we have with us none other than Letitia Carr from the Refill podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And I know it surely will be one of yours too when we finish this interview. So let's give her a warm welcome. Welcome, Letitia. We're so happy to have you. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Shantae. I appreciate it. I I just want to start with this. Can you give us a little bit about yourself? Tell us the fun stuff. Tell us some things that aren't in your bio. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, so um, some of the stuff that's not in my bio Um, so one of the things about me, um, I guess you should know that my background is in mental health, um, counseling. So I have a master's degree in mental health counseling and I actually decided I didn't want to be a therapist Mm -hmm. and I wanted to help other people in a different way. So I've worked in the mental health field for years at this point. I think I'm going on six or seven years at this point. Um, But I was like, okay, I am too young to be a therapist. I actually got my master's when I was uh, 24. 
Um, and I was like, um, yeah, let me live some life first. So I decided, <laughs> against, decided against that. But then the more that I have um, just kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The more I've developed, that's the word I'm looking for, matured, I realized that God has literally called me to help people be the best versions of themselves. Mm. Like, in any way, shape, or form. So I'm the friend that's going to get on your nerves about like your purpose and like uh, finding, taking care of your well-being. Like if I see my friends grinding and grinding and grinding, I'm going to call you out on it. And my friends get sick of it. Like they're like, okay, girl. So like I have a podcast that shares these things and I'm always like, listen, I'm not going to tell y'all, but you can go listen to this episode. <laughs> At this point, like now I can kind of point them in a direction or something because my friends be like, girl, okay, we heard you. So this is just kind of who I am naturally. I'm like the annoying friend that's always going to stress to you to take care of yourself and your well-being and to do the things that you actually enjoy in life. Like I've always been an advocate for people not to just like take jobs just because of the money, like mm. take the job because it's something that can build your build your career, yes, and something that um, can build your resume, but also make sure it's something that you're actually going to enjoy going to every day. Um, and I know sometimes that's easier said than done, but um, when there's when you're in a position where you may or may not like your job, finding the things that you can pull out of that job is something I learned in my own like work uh, <laughs> experience. It's like, okay, I hate this. <laughs> But what can I learn that I can use in my actual purpose and what God is yeah. calling me towards? So, like, I'm just kind of, like, naturally this person. Um, and I don't know that my bio can kind of uh, express that, like, this isn't just some, like, stuff that people read off of a piece of paper. Like, this is who I am, like, innately. My aunt would tell you that when I was eight years old, I was, like, a peer mediator at school. And she's like, you've been helping people since you were a child. Like, this mm -hmm. is who you are. Just embrace it even when you don't want to embrace it just embrace the fact that this is who you are as a person so I feel like my bio can't really convey like how how deeply ingrained helping other people and like helping people really truly see the value in themselves and like how self-care ties into your value and like how you see yourself and how you perceive yourself that can be written written on a piece of paper so um I think that's you know a little bit about myself just so y'all know this is who I am <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you always need that friend who's going to call you out because I feel like too many times we will work so hard and then forget. And I have a friend like that too. She's like, I would just tell her I've done this, 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 this. And she's like, do I need to come and tuck you into bed? Because when are you sleeping? Mm -hmm. And you need that reminder. So I could tell, especially when I'm listening to your podcast, how passionate you are and how it's in the fiber of your bones. So I know when God was sending you down from heaven, he was like, okay, self-care strategist, put a little dash of that in here, put a little purpose help in there. And then he created you. Oh, so, so sweet. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, so what is, I mean, we're talking about self-care and refilling, but for those people who don't actually know what self-care is or can be, can you give us a definition or the definition you like to use? Yeah. So I have a couple of definitions I like to use. And so the one I'm going to say this this time around is self-care is anything you do to replenish and refill yourself. So anything that makes you feel good and makes you um, makes you feel full, that is self-care to me. So there's a lot of different ways to, to um, perceive self-care, but your self-care and well-being can be uh, financial, emotional, 
um, mental, physical, all of these things encompass self-care and well-being. It's not just an either or kind of thing. I say this all the time. It's both and like you can take care of your finances and take care of your emotional well-being. And that is all still self-care. You can go to the gym and that not be enough for, for your self-care. You, you may need uh, meditation and prayer routines. You may need, um, you may need to look at your finances and say, okay, how can I get my financial life together? There's a lot of elements that go into your self-care and well-being. But at the end of the day, it's what makes you feel whole and complete. And sometimes those things don't always feel great in the moment. It's like sometimes your self-care is checking yourself and being like, okay, I'm not operating in my purpose. Uh, sometimes self-care is telling yourself like, whoa, okay, you thought watching everything on Netflix was self-care, but that's not really making you feel yeah. fulfilled. Yeah. It's numbing you and it might be like dulling some of the things things that are going on in your mind, but are you really feeling replenished after watching eight episodes of, you know, whatever you watch on Netflix? Sometimes the answer is yes. And that's why, you know, self-care fluctuates. Sometimes the answer to that question is yes. And other times it's like, no, I, I numbed everything, but I didn't really replenish myself. So that's the perspective I come from when, when it comes to self-care. It's the thing that makes you feel refilled and replenished. And that's moment by moment sometimes and not always the same thing every single day. That was so much detail. And I love it because when I think about self-care, all I can think about is a hot bubble bath <laughs> and like some candles and a nice book or a TV show and just soaking in the tub. But there's so many different areas of yourself that needs to be cared for and needs to be refilled, especially if you're a person who's always constantly pouring out. So I I love that. And I need to now incorporate that, that there are different areas that I can always, um, that I can have self-care in. So we heard in your bio that you're a self-care strategist. Tell us what that means. So a self-care strategist does it helps you do exactly what I just said, right? It <laughs> helps you build the strategy around your self-care and your well-being. So creating the plan, create, creating a life that you actually love. And sometimes that looks like goal setting. And sometimes that looks like, okay, um, this is where I have the gaps in my self-care and well-being. So essentially, I'm a life coach, right? Like that is tried and true who I am. Yeah. But my focus is very much heavy on how to be the best version of yourself and taking care of your well-being and making sure that that is, um, you know, a number one priority on your list as well. So I help create the strategies to help you live the best version of your life, essentially. I love that. The strategies that help you live the best version of your life. And I think that's so important to have a strategy even for that, because I feel like when people think about strategies, they're only thinking about strategies um, to accomplish their goal or the big vision, whether it's writing a book or starting a podcast or doing an album. That's when we start thinking about, oh, I have to have a strategy. But nobody seems to think about, I need a strategy to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And I think it's so important. And um, I was listening, I remember when I was listening to your episode about uh, sleep team no sleep when you played that clip from Steve Harvey who was saying that you know if you're going to be successful you can't afford to sleep eight hours a day you have to be doing other things and first of all I know for me I am no good without sleep I am horrible like I, I, I can't form sentences like it's really bad and my mom would always laugh at me and she would just be like you know what go to bed because she is a person 
who will be team no sleep. She is a person who will be like, okay, I'd rather get it all done now. I could sleep later. And I'm just like, I, I can't function like that. I have to come home and take a short break before my mind is even ready to deal with other things. But I think it's funny how we're polar opposites mm-hmm. in that in that aspect. So we're both goal oriented, but she is the one who will be up all night till four o'clock in the morning, sleep for two hours and get up at seven. And I'm like, Mm-mm, I need, I need a moment. <laughs> I just need a moment. I used to be that person. I used to, like when I was younger, because you have more energy, Mm -hmm. I used to be able to be like, oh, I'm going to just pull all night or get it done and I'm good. Now I'm like, okay, that's not how I'm built. I'm not built like that anymore. So I think that um, when we think about like um, sleep and those kind of things, we have to take it in perspective what works for us. Some people only need four hours of sleep. I'm at a point in my life, I need a whole eight hours or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be nice. Like I'm not... When I'm not when I'm not well rested, I'm cranky. I got an attitude, and I, nobody wants to walk around like that, and nobody wants to see me walking around like that, right? Um, you know a distinct difference when I either haven't eaten in a while or I haven't slept in a while. It's very clear. <laughs> I am with you on that. You know when I haven't eaten, which is funny because I'm trying to be healthier. So I thought, you know, let me try intermittent fasting, but I'm I'm hungry all the time, and I'm just like, okay, Lord. Maybe I need to Daniel fast or something because this missing out a few hours <laughs> is not for me. But um, I just want to encourage people right now who think that the listeners who think that in order to be successful, you have to give up your sleep. Like it's not mutually exclusive. You can sleep and still be successful because isn't the point to enjoy your success? <laughs> you can't enjoy it. Right. And like, to be alive, right? You know, you don't want to be like, you always have to have caffeine or you always, you know what I'm saying? Like you always mm-hmm. have to have substance, some kind of substance to keep you awake. Um, that's, that's something that, that's, that's something that we have to learn. Like there's nothing wrong with coffee or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, some people have to have like, I, I worked with this lady and she would have a Starbucks, um, like the really big one, I forget what they call it, with mm-hmm. four shots of espresso in it. They call it a quad. And I'm like, I would be bouncing off the wall for like three days straight if I had that. But that's what kept her going for the day. And I'm like, I just rather sleep. Like, I just rather get to sleep and be okay. And maybe one cup of coffee and I'm cool than have to go through all that every single day. So that's hard on your body too. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, I mean, I remember there being a point over maybe the last few months where I found myself because I work and I'm a lawyer. So there's a lot of stuff going back and forth and going to court. And then I have my business and then I'm coaching and then I'm doing my doctorate. And it was just all of these things going on at the same time. And I don't know if they have that, uh, this drink in America, but they have this drink in Bermuda called Celsius. And it's really, it's an energy drink, but it's more healthier than a Red Bull or a Monster. And I remember that I was drinking so much of this drink that seven o'clock in the morning, that was my first, like, that's breakfast. Mm -hmm. And my body just started to feel really nauseous all the time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to stop drinking this and stop drinking coffee and actually sleep or else this is not going to work. This is going to be downhill. And I think too many times we're so quick to grab a cup of coffee and another cup of coffee and another cup of coffee just to keep ourselves awake and then we don't actually realize what it's doing to our body internally. Yeah. And and I think that sometimes we have seasons where we have to like kind of be on go mode 
And that's okay. But like the reason that the self-care strategy is important is because I, I use the example of an accountant, right? There's going to be a season that the accountant is going to be extremely busy. Tax season, they're going to be very, very busy. But that happens the same time of year every single year, right? And so planning ahead and having a strategy around what your life actually looks like, not what you, what ideally is cool. Like we can look at what your ideal life would be like, but let's look at what your life is actually like. Like let's look at what your day-to-day actually is and let's build in self-care while being into that. And for some people it's like, okay, see these two hours in your day where you're like up, doing nothing, you could be sleep. Like you could take that. Um, you could get an extra hour rest here um, or something like that. And really building those strategies into your life. It, um, earlier you said something about like the launch of a product or like a book, writing a book and like needing a strategy for that. I look at how do you make those things coexist? How do you make your self-care strategy and your marketing strategy coexist or your, Ooh, your book good. strategy coexist? There's no reason that you should have to be up 12 hours at night to write your book if you build in a strategy that's actually effective for your day and you kind of can find a way to stick to that Um, because then you can build in sleep into that that plan right part of your plan can be resting for two hours before you get started writing or whatever the case may be so building those strategies that coexist together that are that are not you know separate but equal, but are together as one is like, this is, this is my full holistic life. Like the holistic picture of what your life looks like. And I think most people are looking at it like I'm either taking care of myself or I'm getting my work done. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you could be doing both in reality. Yeah. Um, that, that was just a check for me. I'm going to take that for myself. I need to be doing both a little more often because as a coach, I, I tell my clients this all the time and they're, they've got it down. They've got their routine down. But me, on the other hand, I'm like, okay, I need to rework everything to make sure I have my routine down. But I would like you to tell us about um, when you first started using a self-care strategy for yourself. How was that? Like, how did you create one? What, when did you realize you needed one? Tell us the story. Yeah. So I learned about self-care plans when I was in grad school, because one of the things about uh, therapists and social workers and everyone who works one-on-one with people is we usually become burned out because of such the emotional baggage. And I'm assuming the same for a lawyer, for doctors, right? We take on people's stuff (laughs) a lot, whether intentionally or not intentionally um, or unintentionally, but we take on other people's stuff a lot. And burnout is So we did burnout prevention um, plans when I was in grad school, but I started working um, in 2014-ish and I was like, okay, I can do this. I was kind of like in grind mode, like going between work, going out and hanging out with friends, like still trying to have a social life, all of that. I was just so burnt out. And my, my job was very like emotionally taxing. I worked in mental health. I worked with people with severe mental illness and substance abuse disorders, like co-occurring disorders. So it was just constantly like, and it, and it was residential. So it was like constantly something going on, like police coming to the residence, uh, overdoses, like all kinds of stuff going on, then the pressure of being a part of the leadership team. And I finally got to a point where on top of that, let's not forget that people tend to not really respect young black women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And 
I was feeling disrespected by my boss, like all kinds of stuff like that. So it wasn't just the clients. Really, the clients were probably the easiest part. It was like all of the other stuff that came along with it. Um, my mother actually has schizophrenia as well. So I was like doing that work and then coming home and dealing with my mom. And like, it was just so much. And I was burnt out. Um, and I, and I remember it was August of 2015 and I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done with everything. I don't know how I'm going to work life out, but I quit. And I went to quit my job <laughs> that day cause I was so done. And my boss was like, my boss and my, um, one of the supervisors was like, you don't have to quit. Like you can take some days off, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I do have a lot of PTO. It's true. So I mm-hmm. took, uh, 10 10 work days off, which turned out to be like 15 days total off. I went to Dominican Republic with my cousin, just out like spur of the moment. I mean, like booked the trip the week before we were leaving. And I came back and I still had like five or six days left before I had to go back to work. And I was like, okay, you feel good right now. Like you feel replenished, you feel refilled. I don't know if I use those words to myself or not, but I was like, you need to set some boundaries at work because you're not going to keep living your entire life going through this cycle where you get so burnt out that you can't even function at work or at home or with your friends that you're cutting everybody off <laughs> and you're just done. Like you cannot live your life like this. You're only 25 or I think maybe 26 at the time. I'm like, I, I can't live like this. So when I came back to work, I decided I was setting boundaries. I did not care what they had to say to me. Like I was like, no, period. Um, here's my boundaries. Here's my limits. You can get with it or get lost because y'all are begging me to stay here. I don't want to stay here. And at that point it worked right at that point that, that strategy of being like, no period, um, not turning my cell phone, like my work cell phone on before 7am and not letting them call me like an hour after I got off work. So I gave like an hour buffer if I wasn't on call. So (laughs) it would be like, okay, I come in at nine. So you can call me between eight and nine because you can call me on my commute here. And I get off at five or six. You can call me an hour after that if I'm not on call on my commute home. After that, do not call me. Call the on-call person. Don't bother me. And I got to a point that I kept communicating that to everyone Mm -hmm. that they got the point. (laughs) Um, And with my friends and family, I was like, okay, every third weekend of the month, I made it very clear, every third weekend of the month is my weekend to myself. Tish only. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be at nobody's baby shower. I don't want to be at anybody's anything. I want to have that time to myself. And so I just started communicating that to my friends and family and they caught on and they were like, okay, cool. Um, And so when I started setting those boundaries and communicating those boundaries and being very consistent with those boundaries, people kind of got with it. And so that was like the first part of my self-care plan. The very first step of it was me deciding that I needed to set boundaries and be firm with those boundaries and not let people just pull so much out of me all the time. Um, I had other goals and things I hadn't been working on because I was so busy with work and friends and family and everything like that. So the second part of my uh, self-care plan turned into me focusing on my goals. Like who do I want to be in life and where, where is God calling me and like focusing my energy and going to spaces that spoke to that part of me. Um, which doesn't sound like quote unquote self-care to most people, mm-hmm. right? But for me, that's what made me feel replenished and refilled and made me feel full and that God had purpose for me. Like finding your purpose is probably the biggest part of your self-care plan that you could like, period. Like having, having something that fulfills you in life, 
nothing can take that away from you. And that's why I get so sad when I see entrepreneurs who have been working in their purpose, but they burnt themselves out. Um, and it's like, I know what that feeling feels like too. And it's not a good feeling. Cause it's like, God called me to this and I don't want to be tired of it. Um, so that was like the second step to my self-care plan. Um, and then from there, you know, I've of course like built in some other things. Like I would like book a hotel room, um, kind of near home, like a staycation, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like sit and reflect and like do that kind of quarterly. Um, I like vacations. I like to go places. I realize when I don't, I realize it's in college, but I realize that if I'm not going somewhere like every other month that I get like bored and like annoyed with everything around. So when I start feeling that I'm like, I get the itch to go somewhere. So I just kind of built some of that stuff, like kind of learning yourself and knowing yourself is like the biggest key to create a self-care that actually works for you. Because otherwise, if you're just doing like, I can say all this stuff and you can try to implement it exactly how I'm doing it. And it won't work for you if that's not what works for you. So knowing yourself, that's, that's probably been the biggest part of my self-care journey is learning who I am as a person, what God's purpose is for me and operating in those spaces. That was a long-winded story. No, no, I love that story because I was just like, I was resonating with a lot of the things that you were saying. And um, when you were talking about, you know that you need to travel like every other month. And I am, I love like travel is one of my things. Mm -hmm. So when I sit still and Bermuda is a, where I'm from, is a very small uh, island. So there's Mm -hmm. only 65,000 people. Like you can drive from one end of the island to the other in under an hour. So there's only so much you can do here. yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Great in the summer for the beach, but other than that, there's only a few other things that you can really do here. So for me, who went to university in the United Kingdom, and used to flying, you know, home and my parents took me to China at the age of four. So I have like a travel bug. So when I sit still too long, I'm just like, I feel like this is not right. <laughs> like right. something's wrong. And I think the longest time, like between October and December will be the longest time I've like set still without going anywhere. And I'm just like, okay, be patient. December's coming. Mm -hmm. But I understand that. But when you were talking about setting boundaries, I think that is such a big thing. But I know how hard it is for people, especially when I'm coaching and listening to clients, how hard it is for them to say no, right? Mm -hmm. To say, no, I can't help you there. No, I can't show up for you there. I need to show up for myself. So what advice do you have for the people who are learning how to say no more often and to put themselves first more often? I would say practice saying no with a period at the end. Uh, because when you say no, because blah, 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 like that gives people a lot of space for for them to be like, Oh no, but we could change. Like when I said I was trying to quit my job, I gave them way too much space. I mean, I needed to not quit my job at that time. (laughs) I gave them a a lot of space to say, Oh no, you could do this, this and this, instead of being very firm in my decision. Um, so I think saying no and putting a period at the end and just, learning to get comfortable with that that uncomfortable feeling of like are they going to judge me because most people are like they might feel away but like what can you say if a person just says no I can't or like no um so getting comfortable with that being uncomfortable piece and then and then learning not to put any kind of question marks in the no like you know sometimes we'll say no and it's kind of like a question mark at the end like no your no sounds like maybe yeah, you, and if they say something enticing enough that you'll say yes, uh, 
and this is a lot at work, right? Like if your boss is asking you to stay over and you know, you don't want to stay over and you say no. And then so we'll give you a raise, <laughs> like, you know, whatever that we'll give you, you know, extra time off or something later. If you know that your no needs to be a no in that moment, just stand your ground on your no and call it a day. So I know that's hard, but it really honest. All of this takes practice. It, all of it takes practice. You do not perfect it on the first go around, like just getting really comfortable saying no um, and then being consistent. So but even if it's something small that you have to learn to say no to, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you have a niece or a nephew and your siblings say, hey, can you take them to practice every Tuesday? And you're like, no, I can't. <laughs> them to practice and and just practice saying no in some somewhere that feels like a safe space like your sibling probably won't get too mad at you for being like no I can't do that on Tuesdays or something like that finding finding ways to practice your nose is probably my biggest advice I'm trying to think of um, outside of that other than being consistent and communicating um, you can tell someone no I can't do that on Tuesday because I do this on Tuesday and just leave it at that um, the communication part and the consistency is really, uh, really the the important part, but also can be the difficult part as well. I think the um, learning how to say no really hit me for the first time last year. And I remember doing, at the time I had just started my blog and I did a blog post on saying no. And I remember I got to church, uh, like a joint church service, and people were like, oh, they called your name for this for this uh, group that they're having. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> at the time, nobody had talked to me about it. But apparently somebody assigned me to it without asking. And I Im- remember it immediately feeling sick. Not at the thought, the, just the thought of putting something else on my plate was just like, oh gosh, I can't do this. And I remember having to talk to my pastor and she was like, I don't know who volunteered you for that. I didn't even volunteer you for that. I thought you knew. So having to actually go to the um, head of the church at the time of like all of our combined churches and have to say to him like, I can't do this. I have no time in my schedule to do this at all. Like, and I that was probably one of my first really firm news because I like to help. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it's something where, you know, you, you like to help, you're like, yeah, I can probably do that. And some things people ask me to help. I know it might take me a lot less time if they, than if they have to go figure it out for themselves. But then I was like, you can't do this. There's no space on your plate for this at all. And I think, yeah, practicing no in, in safe spaces and, You'll know when, when you need to say no, ask the Lord. At some, at some point, you're going to, at some point, it just gets too much and you have to say no. And then if you have no practice saying no, you're going to be uncomfortable with it. So you might as well practice saying no, because at some point you're going to have to say it anyway. Um, I thought of something, it, it went away, but it'll come back to me. <laughs> okay. That's related to that, but it'll come back to me. <laughs> well, in the meantime, um, what, how often should we practice self-care? Every day. <laughs> Your face is like, <laughs> every, day. every day. And I remember what I was going to say, um, just to backtrack for a second, and then I'll tell you why every day. Okay. So uh, the book that really helped me learn to say no 
well is Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. I love that book. Right. And do you remember the part? It's it's such a good book because you think, oh, like she's just saying yes to everything. No, sometimes you're yes to yourself. Like sometimes a no to other people is just a yes to yourself. And when mm-hmm. I when she broke it down that way, I was like, oh, that's a lot easier for me to digest that, that I have to say no to this person so that I can say yes to myself. That that kind of broke, you know, that broke broke a, a chain in me yeah. that was like, I can't say no to to this person. It's like, yeah, but you gotta learn to say yes to yourself and like practicing that year of yes, that was that was really, really helpful too. I always kind of forget that that tidbit that I did practice the year of yes. Um in 2015 actually it was all that same year of transition in my life that I practiced the year of yes so that's a that's a book to go to now to go to why self-care should be a daily thing I think that again because all of this is practice it helps you to get it helps you build your muscle of self-care and well-being when you do it on a daily basis right so just like you have to go to the gym consistently um, your prayer, your prayers have to be consistent. Like all of these things, you're building up a muscle essentially. That's how I look at it. And so with self-care, because I don't believe self-care has to be this big dramatic thing that you do uh, once in a while, I believe that it can be bite-sized things that you do, whether it's cooking, cooking yourself a, a one meal a day um, versus going out to eat or journaling, prayer, uh, looking at your budget, like planning your finances, something that you do for yourself on a regular basis needs to be done. So I would say daily because every single day you should at least try to incorporate at least one thing into your day that's for you, for your own replenishing. So whether that's the first thing you do in the morning and you, you know, do your meditation and prayer or the last thing you do before you go to bed is journal or you know, look over, you know, look over your to-do list for the next day or something like that. Something that helps you be prepared, whatever the case is, something needs to be done for yourself on a daily basis. It I love that. The muscle. <laughs> I love it. It's like working out. You have to build your self-care muscle. Yes. So what if you are a person who finds yourself having a very stressful day? What would your advice be for a quick, I don't know, 10 minutes of self-care, if you can squeeze it in into the middle of the day, what would be something good to do? So if it's in the middle of the day, say, you know, you're working, you're nine to five um, and into your business and you just had a really busy week. One of the first things I tell people is do not eat where your laptop or your computer is. Step away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. Read me, read me, read me. Step away from your computer to have your meals. So your lunch breaks, dinner, whatever it is, step away from your computer. I I had to put my desk and my table. I lived in a smaller apartment and I had to put them totally separate because I would just eat and read emails, right? That's that's not how we're how we're supposed to do things in life. Mm. That's not how God builds us. So take your take your plate away from your away from your computer, away from your phone if you need to. Do not check your emails while you're eating. That's like, if, if you don't do anything else for yourself <laughs> in the day, do not check your emails while you're eating because you're not giving yourself that time to like really truly enjoy your meal. It's, mm. You're kind of creating like this mindless behavior with eating, which causes other issues. And so that's one of the things that I feel like people can build that pretty easily into their routine is being like, okay, 
for 10 minutes, I'm going to eat my food and not look at this computer and not look at my phone, um, not scroll social media or whatever mindlessly. <laughs> we all do it. We all do we it. Do, right? We do. <laughs> it's so easy to be like, oh, let me eat my eat my food and scroll social media. Put everything down and just enjoy that couple of minutes to yourself. You'll be amazed at the things that will come to you in that time period where you're not trying to busy your mind while you eat too. Um, so I will be practicing that tomorrow because as you said that, I just pictured myself at lunchtime today where I had my work computer, my mm-hmm. iPad up, my phone in my hand and the lunch in the middle. And I was just like trying to multitask. And that's usually how it is. Um, I used to go and try and make an effort. I remember and eat lunch outside of my office. And then I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I'm back in there most of the day, and I you realize you haven't even. Sometimes it's like apart from going to the bathroom, I haven't really moved from this desk. That was going to be my next suggestion: is making sure you get up and like stretch or like move around a little bit. So the idea of going outside and having your meal is even better because one, you can get some sunlight. You can, you know, you're in a beautiful place. It's going to be cold in the DC area soon. I'm not going to be able to do that, but. You know, building it around the life that you actually yeah. live. That's why I said, like, ideally, we like like to think this stuff will work. But what will actually work for your with your work schedule, with your life, where you live, um, all of those things matter. So getting up, going outside to eat, something like that, where it's just like gets you away from the the work mindset for a second, even if it's just for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes on a break. Um standing up, stretching. Um, I see you have an Apple watch and I don't know about you, but it gets on my nerves that it tells me to stand up like all the time. And I'm like, but you know what? I do need to stand up because I have been sitting. Yeah. Or it'll tell me to breathe. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? Stop telling me what to do, but also (laughs) (laughs) take some deep breath. So like those kind of things do matter. And like people don't take into account that those things matter to just to your daily, like being like, yeah, you're not stuck at the computer all day long, stand up for 10 minutes, walk around, do something that kind of breaks the monotony of the day. So okay, that's guys. my advice for that. <laughs> okay, guys, you heard it. Don't eat with your computer, with your work. Take some time for yourselves. I actually want to challenge anybody who's listening to try and do that for the rest of the week. So this episode comes out on a Tuesday. So that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You can at least make an effort to see how much not eating at your desk or not eating while you do work will change your life. So we had another question for you from one of our listeners. And she asks, what advice would you give to a new entrepreneur or influencer when they are dealing with startup stress and anxiety? Oh, yeah. Um, so this is where building the self-care and well-being plan into your life and into the foundation of your business actually is like the best place to be, right? Because if you get into a routine where you say, okay, yes, I'm a startup. Yes, I am new at this, but I have boundaries. That gets people who are working with you like aware of your boundaries very early on, right? So as a coach, for example, you know, you may take uh, coaching clients from between 5 and 9 p.m. Don't allow your clients to try to book at 10 p.m. Like that's your boundary, whether whether or not um, whether or not they're like begging you for it. Just set that boundary. I always say Target does not just because I want to go in Target at midnight. Target closes at 11. Like if I go to the doors of Target or the mall or anywhere, and they say they close at nine or 10 o'clock, and I'm just going to stand at the door, right? Because they have set that boundary. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. So 
as business owners, we have to think that way too, like setting those, setting those business boundaries as well, even for ourselves, giving ourselves some parameters, not to check emails after a certain time of night, um, not to, you know, accept client calls after a certain point of time, scheduling in your dinner, especially if you are a person who's working a nine to five and then a five, you know, a five to 10, six to 10, um, something like that, scheduling time that you can have a meal, like a real meal, not like, not like a quick grab and go, but something where you can actually sit down and eat. Uh, cause, because what I find is that as entrepreneurs, we feel like we have to be on go all the time. But when we run ourselves in the ground, we don't even, we're not even passionate about that business or that thing we, we loved anymore anyway. So what's the point of all the grinding if you're not going to still love it? So building in those parameters at the very beginning of your business and saying, this is how this business operates and letting that be the foundation of your business. Cause otherwise you're going to be, you know, building a house on sand and nobody wants to do that. So. Okay. So create a strong foundation of boundaries about when you're taking on the work that you're doing. So I guess no matter what type of business you have, you can always give yourself business hours and actually being consistent with yourself. Because if you're not consistent with yourself, your clients are just going to be like, well, last week you did this. So why won't you do it this week? And that makes complete sense. And I remember when I was just um, starting out with coaching and Somebody was asking me, oh, well, you know, 1030. And I was like, 10 what? I've got to go to sleep. <laughs> but taking into consideration that you might have clients on the East Coast or something and finding ways to flex your time that gives them op- opportunity to book at some point, but doesn't have you up in the middle of the yeah. night. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Consider. I love that. Okay. So. I wanted to go back to this, but we went off on uh, on some other questions. But you said you practiced a year of yes. And I really want to know how that went, f- went for you. I did read Shonda's, uh, Shonda Rhimes' book and I loved it, but I did not implement the year of yes. So I want to know how that worked out for you. Yeah, it feels like it was so long ago. Um, I've, I feel like that that year of yes really brought me into, into who I became maybe, you know, in the 2016, 2017 years of my life, because in 2015, I built such a strong, strong foundation of saying yes to things that I actually enjoyed. So it was like 2015 into 2016 that I did the year of yes. And so I said, I said yes to a lot of things like networking events and like showing up in spaces and like, and not being afraid to be in spaces that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable in. So I like will go to writing courses because at the time I had a blog. I would go to like these writing classes, or I would go. I was in like a publishing, a book, a self-publishing book group, which a couple years later worked in my favor because I knew how to self-publish my book when I was ready to do it. But I said yes to all these things that didn't always feel like um, they were going to manifest into something that very moment, mm-hmm. but over the next few years, they have built, you know, they have built up to who I am now, essentially. So that year of yes was pretty like influential. And I always forget that that's, I, that's actually what I was doing. Like I have read the book and started saying yes to things. But you know, as I say it out loud, I'm like, yeah, that really helped build the foundation. I met some of my, my favorite people during that year because I said yes to a, a, a business coaching program. Mm. And that's how I met some like 
some of my absolute favorite people in the world. I said yes to going um, going to San Diego for life coach training. And I had to do that every month for six months. When wow. I started nine to five, it was like a weekend, a month. I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. <laughs> I just said yes, because it just felt like I, it was something I needed to do. And all of that helped really build the foundation of who who I am now and who I'm becoming. I don't want to say who, who I am. It's who I'm becoming mm-hmm. over time. I think we're all always evolving. So that that year of yes really did work. And it also was practice for me learning to say yes to myself and like learning to put myself in positions that I may feel like, okay, maybe I don't feel like I belong here, but I'm going to say yes anyway. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I ended up actually being in being at an event that Michelle Obama put on because I say yes to myself. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's a story for another time. I'll take <laughs> But I just showed up and it was like, you, I woke up and was like, okay, worst thing can happen is they'll tell me no at the door. They did not tell me no at the door immediately. And the whole story is long and kind of funny, but it's, it's just, I ended up in these spaces that I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to, if I wasn't saying yes to myself and listening to what God was telling me to do. See, that's beautiful. So I'm going to ask, would you do that year yes again? I would. Actually, I'd maybe just start right now. <laughs> I should read the book again and uh, do it and again. Yeah, I think that would be good because sometimes we just got to say yes to ourselves and learn how to quickly say yes to God and quickly say yes to stepping out of our comfort zone because you never knew. You never knew um, what is going to happen. So stepping out of the comfort zone is like the biggest part of it all. So I definitely agree. Yeah, I remember earlier this year, I was at a conference that Lisa Nichols put on. And I remember seeing a girl walk on the stage and I was like, I know her from somewhere. And I don't, I think it's, uh, I can't remember the name for when you're both an introvert and an extrovert, just depends on the situation. And be right, right. So that's me. So usually I'm not the one to, depending on the situation, especially in that type of room, I wouldn't be the one to give an ish, initiate conversation with anybody. And I remember seeing her, I was like, I think I have her book. And after she came off the stage, I just went to find her and have a conversation with her. And she was former editor of Essence Magazine. And she was like, do you want to have lunch? And I was like, now? <laughs> you want to have lunch now? And it was so amazing that I was able to ha- connect with her and talk and get advice to her. But that wouldn't have happened if I didn't say yes to stepping out of my comfort zone. So guys, if you haven't read Shonda Rhimes' book, definitely Year of Yes is a really good read. And it could be something that you can practice even if you want to start today. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about your book. You said you self-published. So tell us about why you decided to do your books and your journal and how the idea came to you. Yeah. So I created um, the Dream Chasers Journal and that just came to me out of a practice that I was doing, um, doing myself. And I use the word practice a lot because again, everything is practice, but I was doing a gratitude practice every single night. I would journal. I I love to write. Like I just love to write my thoughts out. I love to journal. Um, and I was doing it all in a like very like meticulous way. (laughs) So I was, I was doing, I'm so happy and grateful now that, and that was the meaning behind that was I'm so happy and grateful for the things that I'm speaking over my life. Like I'm already saying, thank you God for putting this, this, new thing into my life. Um, and then the next place I would say, I'm thankful for 
And that would be for the things that I'm actually that right in this moment I have and I'm thankful for. And then it just went on from there and I would do it in a very meticulous way. And I was like, this could help somebody else. And so I decided to create the book. And so the beginning of the book kind of shares a little bit of my story. And then um, there's like a self-care plan in the book. So you create the, you go through it, you do the self-care evaluation and then create your self-care plan and well-being. And that's the the first part of the book. And then the rest of the book is the self-care journal, which is a daily journal. So you can go through and it kind of goes through the guided journals. Because I know sometimes people struggle with journaling because they're like, well, I don't know what to say or I don't know how to go about this. And so the guided journal kind of just gives you enough to give you an idea of what you could write, but enough space for you to also do your own thing with it as well. So that was my first book, um, The Dream Chasers Journal. And then I created a planner called Unleash Your Dreams. And I put that out the next year because once I figured out that you could self-publish fairly easily, I won't say easily, but fairly easily, I was like, okay, I'm just going to use, you know, another template that I'm using for myself and share it with other people. So that's kind of how I operate. It's like, I do it myself first and then I'm like, okay, this could help other people. And I share it that way. That's just kind of how I work, but. That's good. So tell us where we can find both books. Yes, both are available on Amazon. Um, So you can get the Dream Chaser Journal and the Unleash Your Dream unleash your dreams plan or both on Amazon. If you look up those titles or look at my name, both of them will come up. Okay, guys. So Amazon is where you need to be to get a hold of the journal and the planner. I'm sure it's going to make a difference in your life. Now, before I let you go, I want to know if you have any last tips of advice for the listeners who are listening to this episode. Yeah. So my last piece of advice is to not feel like self-care is selfish. Self-care is what you're doing to refill and replenish yourself so that you can be more abundant in how you pour out to others. You cannot pour out from an empty cup. And I know it sounds cliche, but I will say it until I'm blue in the face that you cannot pour out from an empty cup. So keep yourself refilled and replenished. And sometimes you won't always feel that way. And you have to, you have to be okay with that too and find ways to refill and replenish yourself in those moments as well. So take good care of yourself and take care of your well-being and look at your life holistic, holistically. Everything is connected. Your job, your wellness, um, down to how you eat, working out, all of those things are connected. So take good care of yourself holistically. Okay, guys. So that's right. Take good care of yourself in all areas, mind, body, spirit, job, all areas holistically. Now, where can we find you if we want to book a strategy session with you? You can find me at LetitiaCar.com. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, you can find me on social media at The Refill Pod and at Letitia.car on Instagram. Um, on Twitter, it's a little different, but at The Refill Pod on Twitter and at Letitia Carr with no period in between on Twitter. So I'm pretty easy to find. Just search <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We're so happy that you agreed to um, be with us this week and really teach us about self-care. And of course, you guys, you know that I'll put all of her information in the show notes so that you can follow her, so that you can get her book, so that you can book a strategy session, so you can get your life all the way together and make sure that you're ta- uh, taking care of yourselves. So thank you so much, Letitia. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And as always, if you like the show, subscribe to catch every episode and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. See you next Tuesday for another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast.